five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, how are we doing on this Tuesday? Doing great. Uh, got off to a good start on Tuesday uh, on the quad this morning. I saw James Smith and Miles McVeigh on scooters traveling at Jalen Waddle speeds and uh, made me ready to talk football. Ready to go. Uh, yeah, I bet it's pretty cool just being right there doing your morning jog and getting to kind of see how some of these guys look physically. Uh, how did James Smith look? Uh, very recognizable. He was sitting on the scooter today. I saw him also a few days ago. Uh, he, he's in, he's in really good shape. I, he, he doesn't look heavy. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be polite and not say the same about Miles McVeigh. As a matter of fact, uh, I commented to the wife that probably the staff would prefer him to walk to class instead of using that scooter, but, but he, he, he didn't look, uh, crazy overweight, but Miles, Miles has to lose some pounds. Uh, James Smith looks ready to play. Okay, so McVeigh's a lot more like me than James Smith. <laughs> uh, I, I need to be walking to class too and not taking any scooters. Uh, but yeah, you know, yesterday we talked about the offensive guys. We're still going to talk about the offensive line today because we didn't get to it yesterday. But I also want to talk about the defense because I thought a lot of things, interesting things happened during the scrimmage. And I want to kind of, you know, run through some of that stuff. But with the offensive line, we'll keep it on the offense for now. What were your thoughts based off of what you heard coming out of the scrimmage? Was there anything that stood out to you? You know, I, I guess Caden Proctor maybe lining up at left tackle as well as right tackle. But outside of that, was there anything that maybe stood out? Well, the way I look at it is I, I think if we went back to the first practice, this is this is something we haven't talked about enough. I'm glad we're talking about this today because this this recently occurred to me. I remember when the first photos and video came out, like practice number one, and we were a little surprised. It was a surprise at that time that the starting five from left tackle to right was Pritchett at left tackle and Dalcourt at left guard and McLaughlin at center, Booker right guard and Latham at right tackle. That was the starting group. Now we're all the way up to the team will practice today, Clint. Today would be practice number 13. So we've gone through 12 practices, including two scrimmages. And what's the first team offensive line, apparently, in terms of how they start out? Same lineup, left to right. That's great. That's great. There's chemistry there. That's obviously the staff telling us, telling the world, we like these five guys. They haven't been now sure they experiment and sure that's not set in stone by any means. And there's other guys that are behind them that they like, but it's good news to me, Clint, that they've found five guys that they're clearly comfortable with. Now it's a matter of can any of the second team guys, TJ Ferguson being a good example, Caden Proctor probably being the next guy, maybe even Jaden Roberts. But can any of those second-team guys push a first-team guy? Can any of the second-team guys play like, we've got to get this dude in the starting lineup, he's too good? Which one of the starting five isn't playing as well as the others? It, I love how there's five they're comfortable with, but a couple guys pushing them. That could create a real competitive situation in a real comfortable situation, and it's why I went into the spring thinking Alabama might be very active in the offensive line portal. Now I'm not so sure anymore. A hundred percent. Yeah, I know that Emil Ikior Jr. was out last spring, and I know that there was another offensive line. Was it Darian Dalcourt? Yes, Dalcourt missed quite a bit of the spring. So you had two of your starters that were out last spring. 
that really hurt the chemistry of the offensive line. Like not only like you were getting other guys opportunities, but that's a position group that you want to have some continuity. You want to have some some level of comfort there. And I think that that was something that was kind of lacking, especially early last year. Now, granted, I also think that they were giving guys like Kendall Randolph a chance to earn a starting job, which he ended up starting the first couple of games at left guard. But, you know, you had Javion Cohen throughout the offseason who had to miss due to mental health reasons. So, I mean, there was a lot of variables as far as why the offensive line could never get their main five guys. It, it, it ended up being six because Tyler Booker was essentially a starter. Uh, so your main six guys all together working, getting comfortable with each other and all those things. Right now, it looks like, I mean, barring some sort of, whether it be an injury or whether it be, you know, something crazy happening over this last week of spring, you're going to be going into the A-Day game with the same starting offensive line that you entered the spring with. So you're going coast to coast. I think that's really good from a comfort level. But you're also, you know, we've, we've heard a lot about Darian Dalcourt. He's starting at left guard, but then he's kicking inside the center. They're taking McLaughlin off the field, and they're letting Terrence Ferguson run with the first-team offensive line. So I think that even if he ends up overtaking that job at some point, uh, maybe Dalcourt ends up beating out McLaughlin at center, and then Ferguson ends up being your left guard, or whatever the case ends up being, you've got a couple of more guys who have been working with this unit, this first-team unit as well, and I think that's really beneficial for what could potentially happen down the road. And, and Proctor's another one. Everybody wants him to start at guard or, or, or kick inside the guard because that's the spot that seems the most open, left guard. Jimmy, at any point, have you seen him playing guard? No, I think uh, I've not seen any photo, video, or, or have any information that that has happened this spring. But – Keep in mind, he's a true freshman. Learn. I mean, the, the number one thing for him right now is learning. It's not, hey, you know, competing for a spot so much as learning the offensive line scheme, learning who to block, learning the blocking scheme, learning, you know, shifts and everything else. So it's really about learning, and that's probably why he's in one spot because, boy, if you want to just throw him in the deep end, that's when you say, okay, today we're going to try you a guard. Uh, you know, now you've thrown him in the deep end with no floaties. I mean, you know, so uh, I, I think they're going to practice him at this one spot. Now, what everybody needs to keep in mind is what, last spring, one year ago on the Bama on three show, we were talking about Tyler Booker. He was a tackle. He was a tackle last spring. They moved him to guard in the fall. The spring before that, J.C. Latham was at tackle and they moved him to guard in the fall. He only went back to tackle last year. So the fact that Proctor is at tackle this spring does not mean he won't be potentially in the mix at guard this fall. But, you know, I, I, I think myself, I think it's going to be difficult to move, more difficult to move Dalcourt out of there than a lot of the critics and cynics suggest it could happen. I also believe that in the long term, Proctor is going to be a better player than Darren Dalcourt. That would be a prediction I would make long term. But Darren's a leader. He knows the scheme really well. Uh, they trust him. They asked him back. I think for Proctor, Proctor's going to have to beat him out. For me, that means Dalcourt may be underperforming in a game. And, and, and hey, if it happens, that happens. They're going to play the best players. But I, to me, it's Dalcourt's position to lose. Let's put it that way. He's got to lose it first, I think, before Proctor uh, or Ferguson takes over. And it might be Ferguson in line next because he sees a lot of time with the ones and he's been around. He's all his learning is over. He knows his spot. 
Right. Yeah. And this is where I think there's a key difference between like Dalcourt and some of the other guys that they've brought back. You know, we've talked about it a lot. This won't be the first time that people have heard me mention this, but Darian Dalcourt is a multi-year starter. And really, he's been replaced by Seth McLaughlin, mostly due to injuries the last couple of years. Now, granted, he maybe hadn't performed up to the standard that a lot of fans would like for him to, but it's not like he's this guy who's the only reason he's really out there is because he's been there for six years, you know, and really the coaching staff is looking for, you know, some veteran presence. Like they have Seth McLaughlin, who's been started games in multiple seasons. Now they have JC Latham, who's been a full-time starter for at least one year. They've got Tyler Booker, who was essentially a starter and got a start against Kansas State. Like they have some continuity and some guys with experience on their offensive line. Dow Court's experience helps him but it's not like it's as much of a necessity as maybe you would have seen in the past and you know with Proctor it's I wouldn't completely now granted I don't think this is going to happen but I wouldn't completely rule out the idea that Proctor ends up being your left tackle at some point and the reason that I say that is you know when when we've asked about Elijah Pritchett Nick Saban's had some praise but he's like you know he's one of those guys the penalty's got to get cleaned up he's maybe doing some stuff that's kind of you know, hurting the offense a little bit. And granted, I'm not saying that that's going to continue, but if it does continue and maybe, you know, it's the fact that he's worried about SEC speed, uh, you know, off the edge, it's possible that maybe he could kick inside the guard and compete at left guard, kind of like Alex Leatherwood did for eventually moving back out to tackle once he actually has some starting experience. And that's if Caden Proctor, who we've heard from the coaching staff has been every bit as advertised. He's been very impressive, exceeding expectations even. And so, you know, I, I've we've seen him mostly playing right tackle, but then I saw him playing left tackle in the scrimmage. Granted, it wasn't with the first team, but it was just something to keep in mind. Uh, Pritchett's job is not completely secure or locked up at that left tackle spot, which I think is good. It's going to continue to make him better and anybody else that's in that competition better as well. Any more thoughts on the offensive line before we move on? No, just for people to keep in mind, uh, you know, like I said, going into the spring, I thought that would be the position where Alabama was active in the portal. But kids go into the portal because they're looking to go compete and start somewhere. And <laughs> it's hard to imagine someone that's not starting where they are showing up and beating out Darian Dalcourt or Elijah Pritchett. I, I think Alabama ideally would think, wow, yeah, we would get an offensive lineman out of the portal, a guy that would be like a pretty good number two guy a guy that could kind of be second string or a guy that could maybe be on our scout team and make our scout team better. Most of those guys aren't in the portal or, or be interested in that sort of duty at Alabama. They're probably trying to leave that sort of duty, you know, where they're at and at Alabama just be worse. So I, I, I'm, I'm now less than 50. I wouldn't say it's 0% chance by anything, but less than 50% do I think there would be a chance Alabama will sign a, a lineman out of the portal. And that's a, different opinion I held prior to the start of spring practice. Well, you know, it's kind of like, I think Alabama likes a lot of their options. Like, I don't think it's, it's competition out of, you know, no one's stepping up and they can't find somebody to, you know, they're just waiting on somebody to step up and claim the job. It's like multiple guys are, are ready to claim it. And they're trying to figure out, okay, there's a bunch of options. Which one do we go with? You know, I think that's more of what it is compared to guys aren't developing like they want them to. One more point that I've thought of recently, you know, last year was the first year Saban ever played three offensive linemen at once, but he'd never done that before. There'd never been a rotation at guard until last year. And there was a rotation because Booker was too good not to play. 
but Ekior and Cohen were older kids who hadn't played poorly enough to bench them. I mean, they're playing fine. And, and it, it's tough to go to a kid and say, hey, you know how last week we gave you a B plus? Uh, we're sitting you on the bench. We like this 18-year-old better. I mean, they, they were playing well. I wonder, just wondering out loud, if maybe Saban liked it. And if so, if he liked it, maybe Ferguson can be that third guard and rotate with Dalcord and, and Booker. And maybe Proctor can be that third tackle and rotate with Pritchett and Latham. Now, again, I would have told you last year, that's stupid. Nick Saban's never done that. Why would he do that? Well, he's done it now. Maybe he liked it. Well, you know, when you look at that, you can make the argument, and this is kind of the point that I was making with the, the it's more competition, like guys are doing well, not they can't find anybody. And I think that's an important distinction. Like if you would have wanted to have looked at it last year, you can be like, man, you know, Alabama's having to rotate three guards in there. They must not be able to find the right guy. Like they're struggling to find a guard that's suitable. And it's like, no, they had three guys that they like so much. Now, for different reasons, you know, experience played a factor, talent played a factor. A lot of factors went into it, but the bottom line is they like three guards enough where they figure out a way to get all three on the field. And so that is, I think, a key difference. And I think you're looking at more of that, where it's like you're getting good play out of Darian Dalcourt. You might be able to get better play out of somebody else, but uh, you're looking at an offensive line where you just see a lot of different guys stepping up. Caden Proctor has been better than advertised. They're now trying to figure out, okay, you know, you got Latham locked in, you got Booker locked in. You still got a battle going on at center, technically, even though I would say Seth McLaughlin is pretty much the clear-cut leader. You know, if McLaughlin starts struggling at all, I don't think they'd have any problem going back to Dalcourt. Ferguson's competing. Pritchett's competing. And it's like, Proctor, you're trying to figure out, okay, at right tackle, it's not going to happen, but he's doing really well. Let's start moving him around a little bit and figuring out where we can get him on the field this fall. Like, that's just that, that's something that I think is, it's a different mentality that I think some people approach it like. Uh, as far as the defensive line, what have you been hearing and what have you found interesting following the second scrimmage regarding that position? I think James Smith is a story, and 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 I say that in the sense that I, I would be curious to know, you know, it's impossible for me to, to spend the, the incredible man hours this would take, but I wonder if anybody in the country has six returning defensive linemen that have played as much as Alabama has. To me, it's not just an experienced defensive line group, but a tremendously experienced defensive line group in a Boygby who's entering year five of starting games. He started games in year one. He was here. This is the fifth year Justin Aboigby has started games at Alabama. That's incredible. It doesn't feel like he's been here that long, but yet fifth year starting games. Otis is a returning starter. Tim Smith played with the first team as a freshman. He's now a fourth-year senior. So he's been starting or playing with the ones for four years. Damon Payne played with the ones a year ago. Jamil Burroughs has played with the ones for two seasons. Jamarian Latham has played with the ones in the game. By playing with the ones, what I mean is with the starting group in the second half of games that haven't even been decided yet, and, and Latham's out there, Burroughs is out. So Alabama returns six guys, right? So it looks like a deep group experienced I wouldn't say it's filled with you know alpha dogs super dog guys that are like first round picks maybe Otis but along comes James Smith and and I think he is going to make uh, I, I think he'll be very noticeable in the A-Day game on Saturday probably playing with the twos which will be uh I guess that's going to be the white defense 
that I'm, I would expect to see him on, but he'll he'll probably do well. And I think when a, a player like James Smith shows up and eats into snaps or takes snaps from a veteran defensive lineman, you know he's good. You you know he's so. To me, James Smith being not necessarily a seventh guy in the rotation, but being a guy who, heck, he might be in the top two or three in terms of who sees the most snaps on the defensive line. I like how he's big enough to play even the nose. I think he's big enough to play right on top of the center, but he's he's probably about the most athletic guy they have too at the end position. So he can play the Aboigby spot. He can play the Otis spot. He's probably the size of about Tim Smith right now, you know? So uh, I think the addition of James Smith might be moved, hopefully for Alabama fans, will move this unit from, hey, you know, that's pretty good to better than pretty good. It's such an interesting position group because you're 100% right on everything you said. And I find several things interesting. Number one, with like the James Smith, like I remember going into fall camp, somebody, I don't remember who it was, but somebody had released a, a depth chart, preseason depth chart or projection. And I, th- I want to say that they had Jamil Burroughs in the starting lineup over DJ Dell. And I remember thinking, what a foolish thing to do. You know, and, and it had nothing to do with Jamil Burroughs. It had to do with the fact that it's like DJ Dell's been starting since his freshman year. And you think that going into his senior year, his final year, he's all of a sudden going to get sent to, you know, a non-starting role. That just to me, like, even if it's the example with Damian Harris and Josh Jacobs that I used yesterday, even though Josh Jacobs was clearly the better running back, and even though he pretty much had a very similar workload to Damian Harris, Damian Harris was the, you know, he was the older guy and Alabama rewarded him as such with technically the quote-unquote starting job. So I thought the the bare minimum here, even if you think Burrow is going to be a huge part of the defensive line, which I agreed with, and I just didn't think he should be listed as first on the depth chart because I didn't think that, you know, uh, Alabama would do that with a, a fourth-year starter where they would, you know, going into his fourth season, move him, you know, down the depth chart. Then all of a sudden, Jaheim Otis ends up being a starter. So it wasn't Jamil Burrows. That person was wrong, but – Exactly what I thought wouldn't happen did happen. And that was, you know, the first guy out there for the first snap was Jaheim Otis. Now, granted, DJ Dale still played the most snaps of any defensive lineman not named Byron Young and probably would have been a lot closer to him in snaps had Justin Aboibe not gotten hurt because they started relying a lot more on Byron Young once Aboibe did get hurt. So I think that that played into the lopsided snap, you know, share for, for Byron Young. But my point is that... Something like that could happen. I doubt it. A lot of people's thinking, you know, Tim Smith needs to be looking out for his starting job. If he doesn't start stepping up, it's possible one of these young guys could take it. It's like, I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with history, and history suggests that a lot more times than not, because I only have one example of this going the other way, which was Jaheim Otis. It's gonna be Tim Smith technically being your starter. Now he might get young guys cutting into his snaps more if he's not performing up to the standard that some of these other guys are like if James Smith is being impactful as a run defender and against, you know, as an interior pass rusher, he's probably going to be on the field more than a guy like Tim Smith. If Tim Smith is only really making an impact against the run, Uh, you want to have as many complete defensive linemen as you can possibly have uh, at any given time that you're going to have rotation. You're going to have situational guys, but especially against hurry up offenses, you can't sub guys as much as you used to, uh, to be able to. So, you know, it's, it's, the defensive front is so interesting to me because Jamil Burroughs, now one thing I'll say about him 
we knew that he was a good interior pass rusher. You know, he created all this buzz last offseason. And then, you know, he gets into fall camp and then he starts disappearing a little bit. You start hearing about these packages that are passing specific packages that don't include Jamil Burroughs. And he really doesn't play a whole lot to start the year. Once Justin Abuibi got hurt, Jamarian Latham and uh, Jamil Burroughs ended up kind of sharing that interior pass rush responsibility uh, in certain packages that Abuibi was in on. But he did kind of disappear a little bit. What I find interesting when I look at his stats is he did live up to the hype as far as being an interior pass rusher. Like his pressures per snap were pretty impressive. And we hear that he's continuing that this spring with being a very, I think on the first three plays of the scrimmage, uh, he had two sacks. And then the most important part, though, is that there was a third and two situation, which is a run down. And he's out there and he makes a big run stuff on third and two. Those are the kind of things as far as his run defense that we haven't seen out of him. So I just wonder how he's progressing as far as being a run defender. And if that happens, you know, Jamil Burroughs is going to be a guy who's definitely going to be involved in this rotation. You know, that the, the beauty of the, of the depth is exactly that. I, I think it's a situation where almost week to week, depending on matchup and depending on how healthy guys are, that you could have a different guy stand out almost every week. You know, the, the first week it's it's a Boyd B, and then, then week two it's Otis, and then week three it's 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 Jamil Burroughs. And and that's such a great situation to have. But uh but Burroughs has reportedly played very well uh in the scrimmages in the scrimmage work. He's been here for a long time. Uh a lot of these guys aren't in their last year. Most most the only defensive lineman who just can't come back next season is a Boyd B. He's out of eligibility. All the others could come back, but you would have to think several of them, like a Tim Smith, maybe even a Jamil Burroughs, was like, you know what I would like to do? Play at Alabama this fall and then then go, go pro. If you want to do that, Jamil, I would suggest playing more snaps in the games and being more productive in terms of sacks, in terms of tackle for loss. The NFL is going to like you for your interior pass rush moves, but you can forget being a super high value NFL player because of that for you to play in the NFL, you, you better be an every down player. You better show that, Hey, I'm a guy you don't take off the field on third and two, you know, I can make that play also. So I think that Burroughs and Smith notably that would sort of be in their contract years. Uh, this is a big year for both. I think we'll see a lot of them. That's what's so amazing about James Smith is that you have Jamil Burroughs and Tim Smith sort of in their contract years. You know what Boygby is. My contract year, I mean, the year to prove to the NFL that you're worthy of an NFL contract. Well, those guys have a lot on the line, yet James Smith, I, I believe, is, is showing up and, and eating into that, which is incredible. Another player we haven't even mentioned yet that's, I wouldn't say surprisingly having a good spring, but a guy creating, a, uh, I'm not going to call it buzz, let's say a low hum is Monkel Goodwine. Yeah, and I think he's taking advantage of his opportunities. Like early on, Justin Aboibe was limited. You know, he only ended up playing on third downs in his first scrimmage. You know, you've got Jamarian Latham, who has missed a majority. Uh, really, he's been in a black non-contact jersey. So, you know, he's been limited or out, and it's presented more opportunities for like an inside-out guy like Monkel Goodwin. This is a former top 100 recruit. It's not like he's not a talented player. You know, he's just like a lot of defensive linemen. I think people will sometimes look at that 2019 group and the fact that you got DJ Dell, Byron Young, Justin DeBoy, be like all those guys on the field in year one. That That's kind of rare. In fact, getting all three on the field is extremely rare. 
Uh, I also think it was more due to necessity. And, you know, you had guys playing in situations where maybe they weren't comfortable or confident yet. And I think that that's something that Alabama has been able to avoid for the most part, you know, over the years. I just think 2019 was, you know, same thing at inside linebacker. Guys were playing way before they were ready. And that ended up helping them in the long run. But with a lot of these defensive linemen and stuff, it's going to take them a little while, a couple of years to really get acclimated. And especially when you got all the depth and stuff that's been returning on the defensive front like Alabama has, Monkel Goodwin, it's still a good player. I think a lot of us forget about him. Uh, so, I mean, really, Jimmy, I mean, how do you see this group playing out? I mean, it's so difficult. You've got so many different combinations of guys. I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, give us predictions on who's going to be the starters and who's going to play the most. You know, you could if you wanted to, but really just what's your feel on where this position group could be heading? Yeah, I, I, first of all, I think it's a, a really good group. Um, I know that some of the critics will say, uh, you know, where's Quentin Williams? Where's Marcel Darius? Where's Jaron Reed? Uh, I get that, and I, I don't necessarily disagree that Alabama has yet to find and or develop a superstar uh, at the position, but the depth is great. I, I doubt very many defensive lines in college football are going to play better than Alabama's because of the depth of talent. I love how you have some pass rushers, you have some run stuffers. They can mix and match based on down and distance and opponent. That's an advantage. But overall, I think Otis is going to play a ton. I think uh, Tim Smith and Justin Aboigby are going to play the next highest amount of snaps. And I will go so far as to predict James Smith will be fourth in snaps and snap share. I think he'll be fourth, but I think Burroughs, uh, Latham, and Payne will all play about the same, and they'll be more fill-in guys based on down and distance. But they're also so talented. I see them making plays. I, I see it as a little bit more of a playmaking group than we had. Those guys putting up numbers, not an individual putting up jaw-dropping dro numbers, but as a group, the numbers in terms of sacks and tackles for loss will be higher than what we normally see. Yeah, I mean, when I did the snap count projections, I pretty much had it the same way. Like, I I thought it was a big, bold prediction. I should have known me and you would be on the same page with it. But just with James Smith, man, he, he's too talented of a guy. And, and granted, we're speaking on a lot of freshmen right now before actually seeing them with our own eyes in an Alabama uniform going through, you know, uh, reps. And I think that that's pretty I, – I, I typically don't like trusting the opinion of others. I like seeing it for myself. And so there's, you know, a slight – hang up but just I've heard so many positive things about James Smith and I know from high school and stuff he had a good work ethic and he had a motor when he was on the field he didn't seem like a lazy type of player and so you know you just assume that that's going to continue on the college level and if that happens with his mix of talent just the, his ability to stop the run uh, hold the point of attack he's very aggressive he's very disruptive he can penetrate he can really I mean he can control gaps he can pretty much do it all and just for me I just wonder how do you keep that guy off the field so I definitely think that he's going to be in the mix as well. I think Jamil Burroughs, you know, early on in Christian Barmore's career, he was more so known as a guy who was an interior pass rusher. Like he didn't really play assignment sound football and it got him into trouble, especially as a run defender. But they could put him on the field and get quality pass rush production, you know, from the interior out of him in a situation of role. Jamil Burroughs was kind of the same way. I'm wondering if he's starting to take that next step. I'm not saying he played out of control or didn't play with discipline against the run. He just hasn't been a great run defender for one reason or another. 
if that's starting to kind of turn over a little bit in the same way that we saw Christian Barmore become a borderline first round draft pick, second round pick, I'm not saying Jamil Burroughs is going to be that necessarily. I think there's too much standing in his way, but I do think that just uh, if the coaching staff can trust him to where it's like, hey, we don't have to play him in only obvious passing situations. Like maybe if it's, you know, third and five or third and four, it's like, hey, if they run the football, Burroughs is not a liability in that area. Like he can get the job done against the run as well. You know, I think you end up seeing him play more, a larger percentage of the snaps. But we'll have to wait and see. There's a lot of a lot of depth and talent um, on that defensive line. Let's talk a little bit about the inside linebackers. We're, stip- we're skipping the outside linebackers for now. We know kind of where that position stands. You've got two guys that are out. You've got young guys who are stepping up and coming in. Quandarius Robinson was kind of living in the backfield in the practice prior to the scrimmage. He did some good things from what I heard during the scrimmage as well. Keanu Coat is spending a lot of time with the starters with Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell out. We're still waiting on Keon Keeley and Pierre and some of those guys. The position's very much in flux. But let's talk about the inside linebackers because a lot of competition going on. You know, I heard that Tresman Marshall and Jahad Campbell were your two starters at inside linebacker, but Sean Murphy was subbing in a lot for Campbell. Also noticed or heard in some of these situations that Campbell was the the lone off-ball linebacker in dime packages. They were sending him on a ton of blitzes. We know he's got some pass rush ability. I think that's uh, very big for, you know, what Alabama likes to do. You saw Henry Toto last year, or, you know, really the last couple of years, and you saw Christian Harris. And Alabama just loves their inside linebackers who can also get after the quarterback. And I think that Jahad Campbell provides a lot of that, but he also has some range. And coverage ability. So, Jimmy, what do you think about this position group? Who's leading in your mind, and uh, where does it go? Yeah, it was a nice opportunity for those guys because uh, the, the one returning veteran who's been a starter who has played a ton with the ones in his career, Deontay Lawson, was out. So, both positions were sort of wide open, and uh, no one uh, at Alabama uh, has played a lot. So, it's really a wide open situation, and I think you've seen several guys kind of put their hand in the mix. But the one consistent guy and the one Coach Saban has, has, has brought up as being impressed with is Tresman Marshall. Trez, as he's called on the team, uh, he, he's, he is a veteran, not in an Alabama system, but in Georgia's, which is really the same system. That's why he was able to pick up on things quickly, no different than Henry Toa Toa, who came from an Alabama system at Tennessee, just like what Trez was doing at Georgia. So Trez has sort of picked up things. I think he's the one making the line calls, playing the mic spot. Uh, you know, he's wiry. He's a little different. I know Clint and I both have compared his situation to Jalen Moody's and, and Alabama in terms of why they wanted Trez out of the portal, why Alabama recruited Jalen Moody back to the team a year ago. Similar reasons, but he's a different player. You know, Moody is a throwback old inside thumper, you know, take on the fullback and then tackle the running back in the A-gap kind of kind of middle linebacker. Trez is a is a, a a space player. He plays in space. He's a coverage guy. He, he can run with tight ends. He can cover the running back on the wheel route. He'll drop into a short zone and play zone coverage, almost no different than a safety. Trez is that type. Uh, it, but it does seem like he's played more snaps. I, I think Trez is the favorite to start alongside Deontay Lawson this fall based on what we've seen this spring. That's who I would tab as probably the guy along Deontay. But Jahad Campbell, much like some other guys on the team, he may be too good not to play. I think I think that guy has made a move this spring in terms of 
hey, we we can we we we're excited about Deontay and Trez, but that means we're not finding snaps for Jihad. And that's so I think Jihad's in the mix. I think Justin Jefferson, the JUCO, is is in the mix. I think Sean Murphy's in the mix. Ian Jackson is a good player. We don't talk about Kendrick Blackshire, who reportedly had an interception Saturday uh, in the scrimmage. Uh, he's a good player. I fear, and I say fear, I don't want to lose any of those kids, Clint. I worry a little bit that there might be an inside linebacker or two who should be starting somewhere who's a little buried at Alabama. I won't be surprised if if we have a guy in the portal that causes us to lose sleep and sends me deep into my ice chest to uh <laughs> to mourn the loss. It might be a player right. of this position just simply because we have a lot of good players there that that frankly should be starting, uh, but probably won't in Alabama. So I'm a little worried about that position in terms of the portal following uh, the spring game. Let me tell you how I think this is going to go. And granted, this is early. A lot can change. But to me, it's starting to feel like with Deontay Lawson, I was giving them opportunities to try a lot of different guys out. You, you saw a lot of competition. We knew that there was a competition for one spot, but you've had two spots that have been open throughout the spring where guys have been able to kind of showcase their skills. Uh, if if Alabama feels like that Deontay Lawson is a Mike and he can handle those responsibilities, I'm starting to lean towards Jihad Campbell being the starter. I think he's more of a will. You have to remember one of the big knocks on Deontay Lawson, and he might have improved in this area. We didn't see him get to have a lot, a lot of these opportunities uh, last season, but I don't think he's ever really been a great pass rusher. You know, when he's been sent on blitzes and stuff, great range, great in coverage, pretty solid run defender. I don't think he's a liability in that area at all. He plays uh, violent. Um, he's got a lot of likable traits that made him a borderline five-star player coming out of high school, but the the pass rush ability, I think, was lacking a little bit. And Alabama really likes for his, at least one of its off-ball linebackers to have that ability. Like they, you know, once Christian Harris moved on, he held a lot of that responsibility when he was at Alabama. But then, you know, you saw Henry Toa Toa, and there was such a big emphasis on improving him in that area. And, you know, I do think that he ended up getting better. I don't think he was a leader great at it by any means, but I thought he was okay. Uh, but, you know, Jihad Campbell, this is a guy that a lot of people thought, you know, he can play off-ball linebacker, but it's also possible he can play out on the edge. A lot of people liked him better as an outside linebacker, and so he's got a lot of pass rush ability. And so I think having him out there when he's got the ability to to be effective in coverage, like he's athletic, he can get after the quarterback when you ask him to. Um, you know, I think that those are all positive signs. And, it's, you know, if you got Deontay Lawson out there, I don't think Tresman Marshall offers a ton as far as his pass rush ability either. So you've now got two inside linebackers who don't really have that. So I just think that if Deontay Lawson is viewed more as a Mike and he can handle those, you know, responsibilities, I think a guy like Jihad Campbell could end up being your starter. Now, granted, if they like Deontay Lawson as a will and they want to have somebody else handling the communications to kind of free Lawson up a little bit, kind of like you saw with Christian Harris when he was at Alabama, uh, you know, it's possible that Tresman Marshall and Deontay Lawson could end up starting next to each other because Marshall would be the natural guy to start at Mike if Lawson didn't. So I think a lot would depend. I would love to see where Lawson was lining up or where they expected him to line up, but we were going to have to wait on that until, you know, fall camp. So that's just something to keep in mind as far as this battle is concerned. There's other players involved, Sean Murphy, like you mentioned, Justin Jefferson, Ian Jackson, Kendrick Law. There's so many guys, but I will be curious to see how that battle ends up turning out. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. We didn't get to the secondary. We didn't talk a lot about the outside linebackers. 
we'll either do that later this week or we'll come back and you know after a day and really put an emphasis on those two position groups because we didn't cover them a lot this week so definitely don't fret we're going to be talking a lot about the secondary it's important but jimmy appreciate you hopping on here with me this is always fun you know anything else before we hop off no just uh, really excited for everyone to see the football team play on a day and i'm sure next week we're going to have a lot to talk about the quarterback position yep that uh, that's the quarterback competition just recapping the stuff is going to be a lot of fun starting next week so as always, I appreciate you hopping on here with me. I appreciate everybody listening in. Once again, this is Clint Lamb, and you're listening to the Bama on 3 show.